Hey girl, welcome to the What A Mouthful podcast. I'm your host, Dee. I'm a qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, mindset speaker, and my favorite of all, I'm a mum. Living your best life doesn't have to be a grind, and I'm going to show you how to achieve a healthy mind and body. And if this episode speaks to you, give a sister a five-star review. Welcome back to What A Mouthful. This is a super exciting episode because I'm talking about your period. Now, I really talk about periods all the time, day in, day out. I feel like, you know, if you don't talk about your periods with your girlfriends, like, are you really real friends? Are you actually? You got to question that. I don't normally talk about periods themselves. I normally talk about cycles. And I guess I don't really talk about periods themselves. And I'm talking like bleeding because everyone talks about your actual bleeding. You know, you always see like that color charts on social media and, you know, there's a lot of focus on periods themselves. But what I want to talk about is not periods themselves necessarily most of the time. I usually like to talk about cycles and how your hormones affect every single day of your life. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, okay, you know, D works with hormonal imbalances. So they just think period bleeding. And that's why I spend so much time talking about, you know, cycles in general, because I want to remind everybody that it's not just when you actually bleed that you should care about your hormonal cycles. It's every single day of your life. Just because you're not bleeding doesn't mean you're not affected by hormones. Okay. Massive, massive thing to understand. But today I actually am going to talk about periods because it needs to be said. This episode needs to be out in the podcast sphere so that we have a little bit of a, okay, Where's the research at? What's the general consensus in the health community? What are like the frequently asked questions when it comes to actual periods and when you're actually bleeding? So let me start with this. What does your period actually mean? What is a period? What is it? It is an event where you shed lining. That includes your blood, some cervical mucus and endometrial tissue. Well, a third of the endometrial tissue anyway, because you actually absorb back into your body the other two thirds of it. It can include extreme pain, vomiting, blasphemy to your creator as to why you arrived on the earth as a female (laughs) or not. And look, I hope with my help, if that is you, that in the future, it's the not. I hope you don't have any of those things. A period should just show up. So if you are unnecessarily suffering with hormonal imbalances before your period, that is a red flag. You do not need to suffer. It is often, I would say 99.99% of the time, it is unnecessary. So don't just be like, oh, my periods are the bane of my existence. Because remember seven and a half years, I talked about in episode number one, seven and a half years, you're just bypassing and dismissing. Do not be that person. Get that seven and a half years back. Or like maybe like six and a half years, just depending on where you're at. I just have to stop because there's lots of noise outside. Are you right? Okay, we're back in action. (laughs) So yeah, like I said, I don't normally talk about periods because there's just so much focus on them in general. But I but let's let's zoom back in just for today. It is very helpful to understand what your period should be like. And especially if you have just embarked on this journey, and this is the very first episode that ever introduces you to what your period should look and feel like, then welcome. This is period 101. (laughs) You need to understand these things because 
after all, you know, it's the byproduct, your period, your actual bleed. It is the byproduct of a few months worth of your inner body's workings. And so you, it requires some understanding because that blood that you're seeing tells you so many things. And I'm going to help explain in this episode what it actually tells you. It also gives a bit of an indicator of how well you're looking after your body, maybe how well you know your body. So I want you to know your body really well. I want you to look after your beautiful body really well. So let's get clear on the cycle itself, like what actually happens at this time. So right before your period, all your hormones drop like estrogen and progesterone and cortisol, which people often forget about. Okay, your cortisol has to drop for you to have a period. So you, so stress will stop a period. And I say that because I have had the experience multiple times in my life, and I know you would have too, where stress is so high and your period literally comes the second after the stressful event is over. So like you hand in an assignment and you waddle away with your legs crossed racing to the bathroom, like that's actually how fast it can happen. And yes, in the olden days when we actually used to physically hand in our uni assignments, that is the exact situation that I happen to find myself in. Yes. Okay. Yes. But specifically, the drop in progesterone is actually what stimulates your uterus to actually contract. And contract means like it just like squeezes. And then that squeezing is what then sheds the lining. But you can bleed without ovulating too, okay? So normally this happens about two weeks after we ovulate. Let's just say about two weeks. But you can bleed without ovulating. So I'm talking about true periods here, okay? True periods are different to pill bleeds. So if you're on hormonal contraception, let's just call it a pill bleed, even if it's not specifically the pill, but let's say hormonal contraception, I'm just going to say as pill, like a pill bleed is very different to a real bleed. Okay. It's often the women as well who are on the pill who then have, you know, this confusion around, oh yeah, I get my period, you know, once a month. It's like, do you actually, I think you're just repeating a four week cycle of a cycle without an ovulating, which is called an anovulatory cycle. And it's just like, hey, every four weeks, actually, you just have a breakthrough bleed, a bleed that, you know, you allow to come through and you just decide to stop taking the, you know, hormonal contraceptive pill. And then you take the sugar pills, which, by the way, have lactose in them for any of my dairy intolerant friends, fellow friends out there. And you just allow it to happen. Now, sorry, I said breakthrough bleed. I didn't actually mean breakthrough bleed just then. I I do mean pill bleed specifically. I will talk about breakthrough bleeds in a second. But you got to think about it like this, right? I have to start the episode with this specifically, okay? Just because you have a pill bleed, okay? Just because you are bleeding, you have a pill bleed. You got to think about this. It's important to realize That after, let's say, for example, your three month stint of not wanting to deal with your period, let's say you just like skipped it a couple of times because you had events or things that you wanted to go to and you didn't, you wanted to wear a white dress or white pants, let's say, for example. When you just randomly take the sugar pills, do you really think that it's divinely timed that you happen to also have a true period bleed at that exact same time? And the answer is no. Like when you really realize what goes into the making of a period, it being like the crescendo, the last, the encore of what's been happening inside your body the whole month round. And like I said, probably three months worth of inner workings. 
then you kind of realize, oh, okay, that bleed that I thought I was having actually is it's just a, it's just a, what we call a pill bleed. And actually it's a sort of not hormonal contraception pill bleed, if that makes sense. So we call it a pill bleed because it's like you're on the pill. And so you're bleeding while on the pill. So we call it a pill bleed, but it's not actually a true period. A true period requires a whole bunch of hormonal fluctuations and sequences to occur. And then your bleed is the shedding of lining that is made once you ovulate. So if you don't ovulate, then whatever bleed you're having is either a pill bleed because you're on hormonal contraception or, or, and so important to understand, it is a breakthrough bleed. So breakthrough bleed is when you just have so much estrogen and it builds up so much that you just got to get it out. You just got to shed it. And so often women will be on the pill, but not always. And often they're not even close to their sugar pills. So if you're on the pill and you're just having these random timed bleeds, to me, that is just screaming, you've got too much estrogen. So obviously we need estrogen, we want estrogen, but you just got too much of it. Either your body is creating too much, either that, or you can't get rid of it. So it's usually, typically, just the fact that your estrogen is getting recycled. And this comes back to like gut health and detoxification and all that sort of stuff, which I will always talk about and always bring up because it is just so really important as the underlying issue for estrogen excess. But that's actually what's happening with that, with that breakthrough bleed. So if that's you and you're on the pill specifically, then that's a pretty good indication that you have too much estrogen. And if you aren't on the pill or any hormonal contraception either, and you're just randomly like in a non-predictable way, just, just spotting or just getting like what you think is a period, like anything less than three weeks. Again, to me, that would say there's too much estrogen there and there's too much estrogen there or your body is just super sensitive to estrogen. Okay. So that could then include the receptors, like the little, um, the little gates that are sitting on top of the skin of your cells and allowing the you know a cellular change inside the cell because it's waiting for like estrogen in the background like in the in the atmosphere so let's say for example just to like make that make a little bit more sense you can be super sensitive to estrogen and so that might mean that your receptors are like really keenly looking for estrogen because your 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 cells will have estrogen receptors and progesterone receptors but like sometimes you just have lots of estrogen receptors or you have them like they're like shouting out and they're like saying, hey, estrogen, get over here, come here. And like, they're like drawing, um, they're drawing it in because they're super sensitive to it. So it can identify and detect it anywhere, like a stalker. Let's just say it's like an estrogen stalker. <laughs> so those are the types of bleeds that are kind of, I would consider not true bleeds. And so when you understand that sequence, you just realize that anything that's not a true bleed that comes in a, in a pattern, you know, of a roundabout three to five weeks just doesn't make sense. I just don't want you to be fooled into thinking you have hormonal balance when the infradium rhythm is exactly that. It's a rhythm. And so when you fuck with the rhythm, you get out of balance. And that's why I think there are so many women walking around who are so imbalanced and they just have no idea. And personally, I don't even think taking the sugar pill, to be honest, every four weeks is the answer either for healthy hormones, because Its job is to trick your body into thinking you're pregnant when you're not. So that's called a spade a spade. Your hormonal contraception is a fraud. So let's not trust that it's actually helping us to have healthy hormones because it's just not. 
I get that menstruating people need it at times, but as long as you're aware that it's not conducive to hormonal balance, then be my guest. Use it if that works for you. There is absolutely no judgment here, but I just felt like that was really important. Let's start off with clots. And I think I went alphabetically here. Um, I just got like <laughs> a couple of points so I can really deliver the goods. The rule with clots is if it should be no bigger than your thumb's fingernail. So they say like a five cent piece, but I, I like to think of like the fingernail on my thumb. So if your clots are bigger than that, then they are a bit of an issue. And they actually occur when your natural blood thinners in your body aren't working fast enough. So you do like, it is kind of clotted because it's like this thick in, like tissue lining, right? So your body actually like breaks it down and then it flows out as a fluid and then it breaks it down and then it flows out as a fluid. And that, that process is happening over and over and not even over and over. It's like can just consistently happening, continuously happening. And if those blood thinners can't work fast enough, sometimes that means that there's too much buildup of lining of the tissue. Again, we're thinking too much buildup of tissue. Estrogen is a very like growth inducive hormone. It's um, also another reason why when your hormone starts, your estrogen starts to peak, why you can actually start to build a lot of muscle. And I've said in the past that estrogen for us is like testosterone for men. Like it gives us that, like, you know, you can build a lot of muscle because it's estrogen is a builder. So when you have that like heavy, thick lining in the uterus um, and then you see clots in your period, again, that's a surefire sign to me that there's some excess estrogen going on. So that's clots. Anything bigger than that, you should really go and, um, you know, seek some, some medical health advice and just work with someone who can help you balance that. I would definitely say try FlowFit. It's totally up to you. You don't have to try FlowFit if that's not what works for you, but that is a way that you could then start to help your body balance up that estrogen and progesterone. The color. So again, like I said, we always see these, well, I always see anyway, probably because I'm just like obsessed with hormones and periods. Maybe you've never seen it before, but there are usually uh, what I see like a little Instagram post and it's got like all the different colors that your period can be and like what it means. So I'm just going to give you like a real simple, simple, easy way to understand this again, super visual. So let's start with if it's dark and heavy, right? So it's, it's dark. Think, you know, there's too much of something. Sometimes that means it's too much oxidation so it's basically just means that it's just been sitting around there you know like when you cut yourself and the first blood that comes out is like bright red but then if you leave it and you don't wipe it off then it goes that dark color that's literally just all that's happening it's exposed to oxygen and it just gets darker over time so it's been oxidized and that can mean like some stagnation so it's a bit like it's a bit sluggish it's a bit slow to come out i often find that it will depend on you know, the color might depend on how often you change your, your pad, your tampon, your cup as well. So sometimes people, people, women, people, anyone who menstruates will look at their period and they're like, oh my God, it's dark. That must mean I have too much estrogen because estrogen is commonly associated with a dark period, but it could also be just, it's just sat there for too long. That could be all it is. And you just can't see the bright red because it's 
there's a darker red that's that's there that's kind of just you know you just you need to change your tampon or your pad or your cup that's all it means i do find it's more common with cups like a lot more women who use cups will report to me oh i think i have you know my period blood is too dark that's not the case though because you just change it like less frequently so it's good to just keep all those things in mind when you're looking at the color of your period so it's just kind of like you think old lining slow flow and sometimes it can be so dark that it looks brown but when we think dark it is we do need to think if it's truly dark think high levels think too much think toxicity it's too much there's too much estrogen so yeah leaving your your you had your tampon in for too long just could also be the reason so when you eliminate that as a reason we're looking at okay there is excess estrogen here when you think or see bright red so a a red kind of again like that that cut on your hand kind of blood if it's like that that's usually indicating that it's healthy so it's your blood thinners are able to deal with that amount it's it's the right amount for you it's coming through and it's not slow. It's not being delayed by anything. So it is a good sign if it's just like a good red color. Now, if it's pink, we need to think the opposite of that dark color we were just talking about before. So we were thinking high levels of something when it was dark. When it's light and it's pink, we're thinking low levels of things. And it often means deficiencies. So often deficiency in estrogen but it could also be a deficiency in iron. It's usually due to chronic sickness, overtraining, undereating, and being under big psychological stress. Actually, it could be physiological stress because we look at stress in these sort of different ways where it's either stress physically or stress emotionally, but you know, usually the, the physiological stresses that we're talking about is overtraining, undereating, or chronic sickness. And usually you'll see this light pink color That will occur prior to something like a HA diagnosis. And HA is something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And so if you get your bloods tested and you don't have a period and you get your bloods tested, then if you have low levels of everything, that's a general indicator that it's hypothalamic amenorrhea because hypothalamic amenorrhea is kind of like the IBS for sex hormones and the endocrine system. IBS, you get that diagnosis when you rule everything out. And you're like, you don't have this disease, you don't have this disease, you don't have this disease, you still have gut symptoms, you've got IBS. That's kind of like hypothalamic amenorrhea. You don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have this. Still having sex hormone issues, everything's still low, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. And hypothalamic amenorrhea is when basically your, your period stops because you're under so much psychological or physiological stress. And when you're under stress, you already know, having listened to me, having probably followed me on Instagram, I talk about this a lot, when you're under stress... Your sex hormones, they don't even get a, get a look in. Like your body is so busy looking after the rest of your body to make sure that everything else gets everything that it needs that it's like, okay, sex hormones, we can definitely put that on pause. We ain't bringing a baby into this. Uh, that's the last of my worries. And so it sort of becomes like a lower priority. Let's talk about late periods. Late periods are usually due to delayed ovulation. So you can have a really long follicular phase, but once you ovulate, you've got that two-week window, right? Or thereabouts. Again, you can have a really long follicular phase. So let's say you don't get a period for three months. Your follicular phase could be two and a half months long, and then you ovulate, and then two weeks later, you actually get your period. You see period blood. 
And you can have delayed ovulation for the exact same reasons that I just mentioned above. So that is obviously, you know, there's hormone imbalance. If you have an irregular period, that is hormone imbalance. And it could be also chronic sickness, overtraining, under eating, big psychological stress. I myself had gastro recently and it delayed my period. And I could tell exactly when it delayed my ovulation because I was on holidays and I was meant to ovulate. And I definitely didn't because I'm always looking for my ovulation signs and my cervical mucus changing. And then I double check that with my body temperature changes that I didn't get uh, that cervical mucus change until I got back from my holiday, which is a week later. And my gastro kind of lasted for about a week. I was affected for about a week. So it made total sense. Okay, frequency. When we think about frequency, like how often you're getting them, periods that are less than three weeks apart or more than five weeks apart, so less than three weeks, more than five weeks, means hormonal imbalance. And it can be changed with the right guidance. Basically, go do flow fit. <laughs> but anything outside of those realms is just, you know, yes, you could have the technically normal period at, at three or at five weeks, technically. And I think it, makes sense if you are in that three to five weeks just have a gauge of you know where are your symptoms at you know are you five weeks but you get insane pms and you're losing your hair are you at three weeks but you know you're iron deficient you know and you're sick all the time or you're have you have low energy all the time like just have a gauge because you could still have a healthy period with a three or five week period but because you're sort of stretching the bounds of of what a healthy period is just have a gauge like you might actually find that after a few months of regulating your cycle which this was me that it lengthens or shortens and it just kind of you just kind of normalize so for me i used to go ages without having my period as i started to get that hormonal balance and i started to implement all of my pillars my fuel move and focus and basically did flow fit for myself which now it's called flow fit my program but for, before that it was just the program d made for herself when I was doing that, I used to notice, oh, okay, my periods are now becoming shorter and shorter and shorter, which is what I wanted because I would go months and months without a period. But it could, the opposite is also true. So if you have periods that are really close together and you start to just get that hormonal balance under control, then you'll find that your period will start to lengthen just to get to that more closer to that four week cycle. But are you shedding it all? So sometimes you're not shedding it all or it's coming back so frequently, like that lining keeps getting built and built and built and built. And so sometimes that's why you have such a frequent period. Uh, maybe it's coming frequently or maybe you're, you're just building that lining too fast. Again, those are high estrogen issues, no doubt about it. Again, estrogen is a growth hormone. How much should you bleed? I love going through this. I think it's so interesting because... I'm going to give you like actual references so you actually understand like what does that actually look like. Sorry to sicken you, <laughs> but anything close to three or more shot glasses, that's a heavy flow. And that includes all the days of your period. Anything that's less than a shot glass is what they call a scanty flow. And that's, that's too little. So again, we're thinking heavy flow is often also dark. Scanty flow is often also light. So again, usually it's that like too much and then too little principle. We want that Goldilocks principle right in the middle. The above rule only applies though to people who are not, who haven't just got their period. So let's just say you are in your early teenage years and you've only recently got your period. It could be, you know, maybe you've only had it for a year and a half or two years or something like that. 
for the first few years, it is actually normal and totally healthy for your period to be quite heavy because your body has never seen so much estrogen. And it's like, mayday, what is happening? So you just might need a little bit more time and that's it. So I would actually caution against going on the pill, just jumping straight to that, unless you've had your period for two years, maybe even two to three years. Using a cup's the easiest way though to calculate. Uh, it is better for the environment. It does create less waste. However, so are reusable pads. You know, they, they're good for the environment. But it might not be the best for your pelvic floor. And I'm actually going to get an expert to come in for an upcoming episode to chat about this. I listened to her talk and I was like, oh, the girls are going to love this. Um, I personally use a cup myself. So I'll be interested to see if she can persuade me out of it. Which, look, I have a, I've kind of had a feeling that she might because I, I tend to have a... It's not weak. It's not a weak pelvic floor, but it's like I can sneeze and I can pee. Like that can be quite common for me. It's because they're so like tight all the time. It's like they're just like de-chill. Um, so definitely have to do more deep breathing. That is on the list. If you're measuring it with tampons, um, I recommend 100% tampons just because they're free from something called CMC, polyester and rayon because rayon can cause an irritation and CMC can, um, and polyester actually can create uh, TSS, which is toxic shock syndrome. So this is like, we've been educated about this since any, like any of us got our period. So we should all know what toxic shock syndrome is, but if you don't know, really, it's a serious condition. It's caused by a bacterial toxin. And it usually only happens in those like old school kind of tampons that used to have this chemical CMC and, and, and polyester in it. So together they would actually create and encourage this like growth of this bacterial toxin. I actually have to just quickly go back to a cup because the amount that you're looking for with a cup is usually one, one to two cups worth. Cause usually the cup that you get is about 30 mils. You know how you can get like a smaller one and a bigger one. Usually they're about 30 mils. So because you're kind of looking for 50 mils worth, you, you just want to have around about one and a half to two full cups. Obviously you're not just going to like, you know, get your period three hours later, it's going to be a full cup. You're like, wow, that's one tick. You're going to have to do a little bit of maths to figure it out and just guesstimate where you're at and just keep an eye on it over your, you know, however long your period lasts for, hopefully three to five days with one to two days of lighter spotting. Um, but if you're measuring using tampons, this is what you want. So you want with a regular tampon or pad, you want roughly 10 fully soaked ones. If it's a super tampon, I don't know about super pads, but if it's a super tampon, roughly five fully soaked. And again, is it ever going to be fully soaked? Probably not. You probably would have you know, changed it by then. But that's kind of what you're looking for. So again, you've got to figure it out and just guesstimate a little bit. If you're measuring with period undies, so the invention of period undies, we love it. Just double check how many mils your undies hold uh, and then guesstimate from there. I also actually think endo girls who are kind of, they're already inflamed, but if you don't want to feel heavy down there, especially I think a cup is like quite, can be quite heavy because you don't change it as frequently. I mean, unless you just change it frequently, that's also cool. You could also do that. Um, you also don't want to feel like that heavy obstructed feeling between your legs and you just kind of just want to live your life, uh, just be a normal human being. Um, but you could benefit from period undies, but it is the hardest option to calculate. That's, you know, there's pros and cons to each one. So hard to calculate the volume. 
also a good option. I do think we definitely need more options with like Brazilian lining and like G lining because (laughs) do I want to feel like a Nana all the time with a full brief? I mean, you know, (laughs) I certainly know that I don't want to have a VPL visible panty line. So that's probably where I'm coming from with that as opposed to like the sexy vibe. Like really, if you knew what I looked like when I went to sleep, like no one's coming for me, you know, no, Gus is not, <laughs> he's not, it's not a vibe. I've got like tape over my mouth. I've got my earplugs in. I've got sometimes my eye mask on, like it ain't a pretty sight anyway. So if I'm wearing, you know, full briefs or boy legs, no one's coming for me anyways. It's all good. All right. Um, so your flow should actually be slow enough that you don't need to change a pad overnight. So if you are, that's a bit of a red flag for hormonal uh, imbalance. And you shouldn't really need to change more than like once every two hours either. It should be, like I said, three to five days, one to two days of spotting as well. Now, how should you track? So period trackers, I love them. They are not the most accurate for ovulation. Your body is, but they give you a guesstimate. We need a reference range, especially if you're just learning, you know, if this is a new world to you. So I love the period tracker flow. There's also my flow. I mean, there's actually heaps. I'm just going to start with those two. I'm sure if you type those in or period tracker, there'll be heaps on the app store and Google play store. So take your pick, but I, I really like flow. I kind of wish my flow worked a little bit better. I find there's a few like technical difficulties, but maybe that was a little while ago to be fair. I haven't, I don't really haven't used it in a little while, so I should probably go back and give it another chance. But flow, I really love. I just think it's an easy user experience. It's really bright. It's really easy to identify. I like how they do the little like circles and they tell me when is a likely chance that I might be ovulating. And I just feel like it's, it's just, yeah, it's just an easy user experience. But here's the thing. Okay. When you're tracking, You might spot a little bit, but when you actually, your first day of your full bleed, like you're like, no, oh, it's on, like it's undeniable. And that, you know, that that's when, you know, when you actually definitely need a pad or a tampon or a cup or a period undies, that is your day one. Day one to say, let's say day five, just as an average period, that is what we call your menstrual phase. So let's just do a quick, let's just hook back to the different phases in your hormonal cycle. So even though we do have four phases in our cycle, even though we're we're talking here about the menstrual phase, it is actually still what I consider part of the second half of your cycle. And it's actually the end of the second half of your cycle. Okay. So sorry, that might be a little bit confusing, but you might think day one, fresh, the beginning of, but the way that I help to simplify how you should eat and train for your hormones is even though it's day one, it's still the end of the second half. So if I just give you a quick overview, your four phases of your cycle, you have from day one, you've got your menstrual cycle. Then you've got your follicular phase. Sorry, let's go. Let's go back. Menstrual phase, follicular phase, your ovulatory phase, which only lasts a couple of days, and then your luteal phase, okay? And your luteal phase and your menstrual phase are what I consider your second half. And the reason that I group them together, even though it could be like day, you know, day 
17 to day one, the reason that that's, sorry, to day five, the reason that that I group them together, if you think about, you know, okay, 17, not to confuse you, but let's just say you got a 28 day cycle, typically a 28 day cycle or a 30 day cycle, which is actually more, (laughs) more um, common and more like normal, regular, healthy is the reason that I'm doing day 17 to day five is because both the luteal phase and the menstrual phase are the most similar in terms of how we feel emotionally and physically what happens in our body. So they're the most like each other. And so that's why I, whenever I talk about the second half of your cycle, that's why I group those two together. Even though it's like luteal phase is like maybe day 17-ish to day 28-ish. And then menstrual phase is day one-ish to day five-ish. Okay, I'll just say ish because that might not be 100% right for you, but just thereabouts. But that is the end of the second half of your cycle. So I just wanted to make that very clear because you will always hear me talk about the second half of your cycle. And I'm just including the luteal phase and the menstrual phase of your cycle. I put those two together because you just like energetically, emotionally, physically, you're so similar or the most similar in those two phases in comparison to the other two phases, which is follicular and ovulatory, where you're like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You are crushing it. You are motivated. You have lots of energy. It's very different. Like that masculine energy in the first half of your cycle versus the feminine energy where you're just like, just want to be by myself. I just want consistency. (laughs) I just want quiet. I just want the juicy, like, you know, give me like, give me a sound bath. Give me some group meditation. Give me yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi, if you will, whatever floats your boat. It's more like those two make sense to be together. So I just wanted to make that super clear. So what should it feel like? Okay, let's just talk about what it should feel like. If it is super painful, like you semi have to go to the hospital, you might have endometriosis. And it is not common for you to be spewing your guts up, taking days off work, semi feeling like you need to go to a hospital. And even like, regardless of the fact that you've been having naprogesic, ibuprofen, paracetamol, okay? So if you're taking those things and you're still like, this is intense, Go get checked. Just, it's going to be hard to get an endometriosis diagnosis, I know, but at least start the journey, okay? Because that's those super painful periods are usually an indication that there's a lot of inflammation going on. Lower inflammation as much as possible and then see how you go, okay? So that's kind of like if you have super painful periods, start lowering your inflammation, start the journey to see if, you know, potentially you do require a diagnosis. But lower the inflammation so that when you go see that doctor, you know, doctor or gynecologist or specialist, then you've lowered the inflammation enough that by the time maybe you get a specialist appointment with them, maybe you're like, oh, wait a second, it was just my inflammation. And then once that goes down, your periods aren't as painful. But just generally having a lot of pain, okay, that real crampy, squeezy, someone stabbing you in the uterus feeling That's usually linked to, and thank you, Lara Bryden, from your period repair manual book, having more estrogen and less progesterone, which is like hormones 101. It's exactly what we're always trying to fix. We want more progesterone and less estrogen 90% of the time, because that's most people's issue, can cause a higher level of prostaglandins and more period pain. So prostaglandins are the little chemical messengers so that they're hormone like they're not technically hormones but they're hormone like 
They're the little chemicals, inflammatory chemicals that will dictate when your blood vessels open up and squeeze. So it's the higher level of prostaglandins that you have in your body, the, the generally more estrogen you have in your body and the more painful your period will be. How interesting is that? So what should it feel like? It really shouldn't be that painful. Maybe some mild cramps, maybe the day before or the first day, just like some indicator that there's some muscle squeezing going on down there because that's like what a contraction is. Um, but nothing that's going to cause you to vomit or take days off work or just feel completely dead to the world and, and you know, crushing your hopes and dreams kind of vibes. We want it to just pretty much show up and for it to not impact and interrupt our life. Our question from the community today comes from beautiful Sarah from Indiana. She asks, how does sleep and stress affect hormones? I always lose my period or I'm late when I'm stressed. So like we covered in this episode, I really hope that kind of gives you an idea or helps you answer that in terms of stress anyway so like any kind of psychological stress i mean like even you thinking like oh man i really don't want to see my mother-in-law i hate when she does this that well xyz okay i love my mother-in-law just uh <laughs> just a disclaimer out there um but let's just say for example like people actually don't realize i'm talking about that i'm talking about how you're talking in your own brain that can be the psychological stress that you're under that I'm talking about. I know that sort of sounds very obvious, but a lot of people don't like that. They're like, they think this psychological stress is some like mystery thing that they've not experienced. I'm talking like if you're thinking those thoughts in your brain for an event that's coming up in a month's time, or maybe you're an event planner uh, and you're stressing about everything being right, or maybe you've got your wedding coming up, you're stressing about, you know, I want to make sure that this happens, this happens. Oh, the, you know, the flowers fell through. Okay, I've got to get a different, you know, I've got to organize a different person. That, I'm t- that is the psychological stress I'm talking about. And when it comes to sleep, Sarah, sleep and stress are so closely interlinked because they're running off the same hormones. So it's largely cortisol that is the massive common denominator between the two. So when you're super stressed, you're not going to sleep well anyway. Um, And it's going to override any melatonin that you're making, which is your main sleep hormone. So you need cortisol to come down and melatonin to be high in order to be able to have a good sleep. So it really is, you know, the the stress that's that's preventing the sleep which is impacting your hormones but there are also situations where sleep can increase your stress and then impact your hormones so let's say for example you're getting woken up by something else it's noise it's it's charlie's my labrador charlie's feet tapping on the floorboards all the time when he needs to wake up in the middle of the night and do a wee like or it's billy comes into my room in the middle of the night you know maybe you have kids maybe you have a snoring partner maybe you have a, a creaky window or whatever it might be those kinds of things that externally waking you up are then going to dysregulate your you know cortisol and melatonin and that will then impact your hormones and we know if you follow me if you know what i'm about progesterone is the very thing that you're stealing when you have too much stress in your life so the way that I like to describe it is if you have, I do, I, I say this metaphor so often, and I, I don't know if anyone's sick of it yet, but let's just say you have the ingredients to make a cake. Um, that cake then say needs, you know, four ingredients. And then your manager comes in and says, Hey, we've got a really important person here. They are demanding that we make cupcakes instead of a cake. Well, the cake that you were originally going to make, you're going to have to sacrifice those ingredients and make cupcakes instead. So the cake is like progesterone. The brain is the manager and the 
cupcakes are your stress your stress hormones so pretty much adrenaline cortisol but mostly cortisol right so that's what's happening you're actually stealing when the brain says ah there's something that's more important it steals those ingredients from the cake from your progesterone which is what we are always aiming for more of when it comes to you know how to improve our our hormonal balance then yeah you're you're having to make the the cupcakes instead of the cake and so you're having to steal the ingredients from the progesterone so the progesterone can't be made anymore or not as much can be made and then you're sort of giving that instead to the cortisol um the ingredients to the cortisol because the cortisol has to be made and so if you don't have any nutrients left over no ingredients left over well you're not going to be making any progesterone so that is the answer to that question i hope that made sense i hope you really like identify with that I, I like i said i like to use these metaphors to make sure that you get a visual understanding of what i'm trying to to express so thank you sarah from indiana for your question i hope you loved that episode i really dig it like i loved actually sharing it with you i know that there's probably a lot more to cover when it comes to that maybe we could do a part two tell me if you love it let me know and share it with any gal friends or any menstruating people that you know that needs some help. If anything in this episode sparked a question for you, please reach out to me on Instagram at Dezabara. You're a legend and legends leave five-star reviews. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on What a Mouthful.